Well, good morning. Glad that you could join us on this special day as we get to celebrate dads. And as you saw in that promo video, over these last few uh, months, last two months, we've been going through the series called The Real God, and we've been unpacking the characteristics of God. We've been unpacking it, looking at it, breaking it down, because just like Pastor John said in that video, a lot of us have distorted views of God. And because of those distorted views, it prevents us from seeing the real God. And so many of us come into this area of our spiritual life, God and how we view him, based on our baggage, based on our past based on what we've gone through in life and we bring it up to God and because of that we can't see God clearly and we view God and we treat God in a certain way not in the way that God truly is and so today we're going to be wrapping the series up and as it, it as everything just matches up I think it's it's very important to kind of as we end it to Look at one of the characteristics of God. As we celebrate father, fathers today, looking at the characteristic of God being our father. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open to Luke 11. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screens. The verses will be up. And this is a, um, a passage where Jesus has been teaching. He's been teaching to the multitude. And... He needs a break, and so he, he takes a break, and he begins to pray. And the disciples overhear him praying to God. And so I think it's important what he says in Luke 11. And we're going to look at the first four verses. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, this is Jesus, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. When you look at that passage, I think it's important to, to note two things. That the disciples didn't ask Jesus, Jesus, how do you pray? They went up to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And it's important because Jesus tells them, this is how you should pray. And just like any conversation, any letter, the first statement is addressing him. And it says, Father. Now, just hearing that statement, for some of you, that brings joy. That brings great memories. But for some of you in here, not so much. For some of you, when you hear, Father, you cringe. For many that don't know, um, for one, my name is Carlos, and I'm the student pastor here. And I was born in a town called Antigua, Guatemala. Some of you 
Many of you maybe that have been part of this church, you are familiar with Guatemala, maybe because you've taken missions trips there, and maybe you visited Antigua because that's part of, uh, of some of the missions work that's done. And I was born in that town. And about the age of two and a half, my father decided to leave my mother and I. And as I grew up, I had no recollection of my father. And I, I started growing up and, and realizing, I don't know what a father looks like. Not only did I not have a father in my life, but as I looked around and I looked at the scope of my family and the family dynamics, I didn't know what a father looked like, period. I, I looked at my cousins, and I looked and there was no father around. I looked at my aunts, and there was no husband to be found. I looked at my uncles, and I saw that they had left their families. And so wherever I looked, the idea of a father was unknown to me. And then as I got older, not knowing anything about my father, I started realizing, wait a minute, I do have a father, I've just never met him. And that kind of started the seed in my life of some issues that I struggled later on in life. Issues of identity, issues of acceptance. And as I got older, I was about five or six, um, when now my mother was looking around and she came to this country. She came to the United States in pursuit of the American dream. But knowing the unknown in her life, she didn't want me to go through the hardships that she was about to face. And so she made a tough decision in her life to come to this country by herself and leave me behind. And so for about a year and a half to two years, I lived with my aunt and my cousins. And I was getting a little bit older. And as many of you know, it's, it's hard to process life, just in general as a kid and even an adult. But as a little kid, I'm, I'm wrestling with this idea that the family dynamics, I don't know what that looks like. I don't have a father at home. And now my mom leaves. And as an adult, I get, I get what she was doing, but I struggled with that. Having my mom leave. And then in 1993, when I was about eight and a half years old, my mom brought me to this country. After she had established and she had gone through all the hardships, and we moved to uh, Queens, New York. And that's where I grew up for the rest of my life. But as I came, I, I finally met my dad. I finally saw him for just a few brief days. And I started processing, thinking, you know what? I'm a little bit older and mature as an eight-year-old, right? All the eight-year-olds here could say amen to that. And I started, I started thinking, well, you know, being a parent is hard. Being a father is tough. Maybe, maybe my dad was just, he just wasn't ready. He just wasn't ready to be a dad. I get it. But as I came to this country, I, I saw my dad and 
Come to find out that I had a half-sister and a half-brother that lived in California with him. And now as a nine-year-old, I'm processing this idea that, wait a minute, my dad can be a dad. He's just choosing not to be a dad to me. And if I can tell you how much anger, how much bitterness, how much just issues, emotional issues, mental issues that I went through knowing you could be a dad to them, but you couldn't be a dad to me. And of course, I'm not going, I, I never had the, the courage to approach them, but all I could think about was, was I not good enough for you? Man, what was it about me? Something as little as my middle name bothered me so much. My full name is Carlos Alberto Campos. My dad's name is Carlos Umberto Campos. My half-brother's name is Carlos Umberto Campos. So as a kid, I'm like, you couldn't even give me your middle name. You could give it to my brother, but not me. And as I grew up, I just, I just kept fighting this, this, these demons of identity. Of what is it? Who am I? I don't know who I am because nobody wants to be with me. My dad doesn't want to be a part of my life, and I hated him for it. And as I grew older, my mom being the wonderful Christian lady that she was, every Sunday took me to church. I like to tell people that I was a drug baby because my mom drugged me to church every Sunday. I hated it. I hated going to church. I hated going to church, and I hated what it stood for, and I thought Jesus was only for old people, that it was not for me. And I remember sitting in the seats at church and hearing the phrase, God wants to be your father, wants to be your heavenly father. I used to laugh at that. I used to say to myself, wait a minute. He wants to be my father. Why? My dad doesn't want to be my father. Why would he want to be? I'm not good enough for him. He doesn't want to be in my life. Why does he want to be a part of my life? I'm not good enough. And so I struggled with identity. I struggled with who I was. I moved around so much that I went through three elementary schools, um, during my third to sixth grade, I went to two different middle schools, and every new school that I went to, I was trying to fit in. So the only two ways I knew to fit in was to make people laugh and to get in with the popular crowd. And as we know as parents, usually the popular kids in school are never the good kids. They're always the bad kids. And so growing up through elementary and junior high, all I did was make people laugh and go to the principal's office a lot. And I laughed 
and cringed at the idea that God wanted to be my heavenly father. But as God in his sovereign plans and in his grace, he allowed me to experience something else. Because it was around this time, as I was getting older, that my mom met a man. And they started dating. And I remember seeing this man come and... I kind of was somewhat standoffish because I looked at this guy and I said, you're not interested in me. You're here for my mom. I get it. You stay to yourself, I'll stay to myself. But I started noticing something different about this man. This man kept coming and kept coming and he was kind. And he was respectful. And he was loving. All the things that I had never seen in a person, specifically in a man. And he started becoming a father figure to me. But above all those things, he was a godly man. He was a man that would always check up on my mom and I and find out about church. He was a man that was respectful to my mother and was respectful to me, that was kind to her and kind to me. He was a man that lived the scriptures out. He was kind and loving, and even as I got older, as much as I hated it then, I also craved it, but, but I craved his standards. Because even as just my mom's boyfriend, or at the, at the time what I called him Louie, Louie was a man that would set standards for me, and as a middle schooler in high school, I hated it, but I craved it because I respected it, because I wanted that father figure in my life. And he was so caring and so thoughtful that when I was 13 years old, and I had gone to church, and I had heard all the stories. I was not saved. And he was intentional in sitting with me at our dinner table. And he sat me down and asked me, do you know Jesus? Not do you know about him. He said, do you know Jesus? And that Sunday when I was 13 years old, I gave my life to Christ. Because there was a man in my life that was willing to pour himself to, into me. That was loving, that was kind, that was a father figure. That was grace-filled in everything that he did. And now as I look at adulthood, and I stand before you, I, I, I look at this and I, I, I feel privileged to have experienced that. I feel privileged to have experienced both sides of the spectrum. Privileged to know that I was fatherless, that I didn't, know, I didn't have someone there for me, someone that cared for me, but I also got to see the other side. 
I got to see God's grace through a man named Louie, who I to this day call dad, who my girls call grandpa. Now, I, I don't tell you this for a pity party. I don't tell you this so you can come to me after service and, hey, I, I feel bad for you. No, no, no. Because here's the thing, we can pass a mic around in this auditorium and we all have a story. And we all can say about some of the things that we've gone through. But I tell you this because we're able to see God for who he is. I was able to see God for who he was. Because here's the beauty, God doesn't change. God has been is and will be the same. Does not matter how you view him. It doesn't change who he is, but when we view him for who he really is, a faithful father, it makes a difference. It makes a difference when we're able to see him for who he truly is. One of the biggest verses that has always been close to my heart has been Romans 8. Because of what it speaks and what it says. Because it talks about when we are now in Christ, when we have Jesus in our life, it changes our perspective. It changes our identity. We're no longer fatherless, but we have a father. And we know how to live. Romans 8 verse 12, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. To know Christ puts us in a different place. It says that we are now sons, children of God. That identity that I was craving, I finally got it. That acceptance of trying to belong somewhere, trying to fit in, I finally got it. I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to pretend to be someone I was not. I was his. That's all that mattered. Ephesians 2.10 talks about us and says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that passage because I love that workmanship. Some translations say masterpiece. And I think about this, that the faithful father is and wants to be a faithful father to you. And as I said, some of you 
you hear father and good memories pop up. I'm glad. Because I've experienced those good memories with my dad. But then you also might have negative memories. And I get it. I've been there. But to know that we are God's masterpiece, I'm reminded of a true masterpiece, of a painting, where an artist has in mind, has already prepared what he's going to paint. But when he's painting something, he's got to use different types of paint. And with it, He's got to use some dark brush strokes, some dark colors, but then he's also got to use some bright colors. And I think if we see God as that artist, as he's created that workmanship, that masterpiece that you are, he's painting this with dark colors, with bad memories things that maybe you had no choice in, no saying in, or, or maybe things that you did. There's those darkness, those dark times in life, but then there's also the bright strokes, the goodness, the love, the kindness, the grace of God. But sometimes we only see part of that painting. We see those dark colors and we focus on that or we see the bright colors and we focus on that because we don't see what the artist sees. That as you step back and you see all those colors coming together, you see God's masterpiece with the bright colors of your life and with the dark colors in your life. The real God we've been talking about right there on your bulletin. The real God is good. Aren't you glad God is good? And we could add to that what we've talked about this morning. The real God is a good father. The next word, God, the real God is just. He is a just father. He is holy. He is a holy father. He is sovereign, a father who's in control. He is a loving father, and he is a faithful father. You know, in the story of Carlos, it reminds us, and it, it just, to me, it just shines this bright light on the fact that no matter what your childhood was like, no matter what your earthly father was like, that, that God's love God's goodness, God's faithfulness, it's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on my circumstances. Uh, the verse that, that Ben read earlier in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13 says that God's faithfulness is not dependent on my faithfulness. God's goodness is not dependent on me being good. Aren't you thankful for that? But what his story and what my story and what your story says is that God's love his goodness, His faithfulness, it's available to everyone. No matter where you grew up, 
no matter how you grew up, no matter if you grew up with a father, without a father, God today, right now, he wants to be your father. When, when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, and he said to address God as your father. My question for you today, God wants to be your father. In Romans there that Carlos read says it, we have been adopted into the family of God. He wants to adopt you into, into your, he wants to adopt you into his family. I'm going to read one other verse for you this morning. John verse 1, John chapter 1 verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. You see, God sent his son to pay the penalty of your sin debt so that he could adopt you into his family. And that's what the first part of this verse says. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. It's a right for everyone, but, but look at the, re- the last of that verse. To all who believe in his name. So the message today of Scripture on this Father's Day is that God wants to be your Father. And as George, little George, quoted on the screen for us today, God the Father proved his love for you. He proved that he wanted you to be adopted in his family. What was the verse he quoted? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Have you believed? I'm going to ask the band to come up, and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. And the challenge is very simple for you personally today. God wants to adopt you into his family. God wants to become your heavenly father. And God is good, and God is just, and God is holy, and, and God is faithful, and God is love. But, but you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision that says there that he's, he's given you the right to become children of God. But it's to those who believe. So my question for you this morning do you believe in Jesus? Paul would write, if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, the Lord Jesus, we can be saved. We can be adopted in the family of God. Would there be someone this morning that would say, John, I want to be adopted into the family of God. I've never placed my faith in Jesus, and and I want to do that today. I want to be adopted into the family of God. Would you just put your hand up right now this morning? Just put it up right where you're at. Just put it up. I'm not going to call you out. Everyone's eyes are closed. The lights are dim in here. No one's going to see you. Just put your hand up for a moment. I just want to pray for you. Someone put your hand up. Just put it up right now. Leave it up for a moment. If you could put it up high, it would help me to see who you are. Just put your hand up faithful father here's what you need to do thank you you can put your hand down here's what you need to do 
Bible says if we will believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we can be saved. This is what that looks like. It's simply you right where you're at right now in this moment. It's you talking to God, and and you could say something like this. God, I know that I am a sinner. And I want to be adopted into your family. I'm placing my faith in Jesus right now. I'm believing that he can save me. I'm believing that he can forgive me. And I'm acknowledging that I need Jesus. If you, if you're right here in this moment, if, if you prayed something similar like that, maybe you just repeat it after what I said. And you prayed that prayer this morning. And what the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He just adopted you into his family. Would there be anybody this morning as their eyes are still closed that would raise their hand and say, John, I, I prayed. I place my faith in Jesus right now. If that's you, would you just put your hand up for a moment? I just want to pray for you again. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Just just put your hand up. I I prayed that prayer. For the rest of us today, maybe today was just a reminder of how good, you know, I was blessed with a great father who who from uh, the moment that I could remember, It was an example of God's love, what it meant to follow Christ. But probably statistically, half of us in the room, that's not our story. We may identify more with Carlos. And maybe the story of Carlos just reminds you today of the faithfulness of God. So in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song, just a song of worship. Thanking God that just as we are, no matter what our past, no matter what our sin, God loves us. So I'm going to encourage you when we stand here in a moment, if you'd like to come forward, maybe as a father, you want to get your kids together, come forward and pray. Maybe as a family. Maybe you just want to come forward and thank God that you've been adopted into his family. Maybe you want to come forward this morning and just thank God for a godly father. Dads, maybe you need to just come forward this morning and pray that God would give you the ability and the strength to be a godly father. The last part of this service, it's just an opportunity for you to worship the Lord, to respond to what you've heard. Would you stand with me as I pray? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the blessing and the privilege it is to know Jesus. We thank you this morning that you are a good father a just Father, a sovereign Father, a holy Father, a loving Father, and a faithful Father. Lord, I pray in these next few minutes as we just worship through music, through prayer, that your name would be honored. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you today, that they would ask somebody about that today. It's in the precious name powerful name of Jesus that we pray.